Your attention, please. Paul and Alex are required to proceed to the gate immediately. What? No way. What is happening here? This is the last call for the Layovers podcast. Really? Come on, man. This is our thing. We got this. Oh, yeah. And we made it. Of course, geeks. Flight 72 Incheon. Hi, Alex. Hey, back to Seoul. I like it. Was it your first time, right? It was my first time. And what a great city. What a great city. I keep telling everybody that was it was a revelation. Oh, at that point. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I didn't... I mean, everybody talks about it and it's great, but I really didn't know what to expect. And it wasn't just me. It was my wife and my three kids and we just had the best time best time where were you Hong- staying in which part we were in Hongdae. so isn't that the kind of university mm-hmm. or the university area yeah, yeah it was right, very yeah. uh it wasn't what you would expect in a university area it wasn't bohemian isn't the right word it was just chill i had some of the best french bakery bread and stuff that i've ever had in my life at this actually it was a japanese bakery but man and craft beer everywhere and oh, yeah. coffee great coffee everywhere which i think japan is lagging behind on both of those not that they should ever be you know in perpetual r- rivalry but man i just loved it i i went to an fc soul game uh, with my oh, yeah. with my eldest with son kid, right? yeah because yeah. it was like in the the world cup stadium was like 10 minutes on the metro so wow. we just had, we had a blast yeah I, I i was super impressed with Seoul, and i cannot wait to go back and of course the airport which we'll talk about <laughs> yeah we will I, I was as you know guys i was in seoul a few weeks ago as well which is why we decided to do it we had done it episode 57 but this time alex has been so say why not let's do it we also basically have all our airports lined up for the foreseeable future because i've been to taipei you've been to kix in the terminal that i haven't been uh, terminal 2 so there's a lot of airports that are baked up guys we're staying in Asia for some reason <laughs> <laughs> guys in the US don't worry Alex will be back in California yeah no summer, I'm, going so. to, I'm going to Chicago in, in less than two weeks so oh, ORD will be I mean we have so many people asking us to do ORD so this time we'll actually do it yeah <laughs> yeah that would that's, uh, that's that would quite be a place a, so that's, that'll be a big episode <laughs> Before uh, we start the news, uh, just an announcement. Uh, we want to set up the uh, Alex Needs uh, Luggage Belt Fund. As you know, Terminal 1 at uh, Ethro <laughs> will now auction everything. So the, the entire terminal will be auctioned. It, the, the thing will be live on 21st of April. And since Alex just came back from Japan and, you know, is in love with these sushi belt things, yeah. and he needs the same at home. And the only option he have in the UK is basically had to buy the luggage conveyor belt. So guys, please uh, participate in that fund so you can have that at home. Yes. I don't know if your wife will like it. but You know, it's <laughs> funny that you mentioned that because I took my kids to the sushi belt place in uh, in Osaka. And of course, they loved it when the uh, Shinkansen brings the food to them that they've ordered <laughs> on a screen. It was like living in the future. And my youngest son, who's five, was like, we need to get one of these at home. And he also said that about the Korean barbecue, <laughs> uh, like fan, <laughs> extraction fan and, and barbecue in the middle of the table set up as well. So I think our kitchen is going to be uh, going through some pretty hefty renovations pretty soon. <laughs> 
But I mean, if you guys are interested, actually interested in buying anything for Terminal 1, you don't have to be in the UK because it will, it will be also a live webcast auction. You can buy signage. You can buy, you know, the prints they had on the walls. You can buy, of course, a conveyor belt. You can buy an ex- escalators if you want. You can buy pretty much everything. Actually, the website uh, is cagp.com. Uh, just go on there because, as you know, the, the show notes are super late. Uh, CAPG.com, and you'll see the already can bid on items there if you're really interested. I don't think I'll bid on any because the price will probably go up very, very quickly. They do not accept credit cards. So, guys, prepare the cash. Wow. <laughs> and, of course, you have to kind of take then delivery of this. I don't know how. And Terminal 1 is still considered as a live airport. But you cannot go there to pick uh, stuff up. Yeah. They actually put it in a field somewhere where you can actually pick it up. Or I wonder have it who organized. the audience is for stuff. Do you, do you think that there's airport infrastructure companies that go and grab all this stuff? Or is it just yeah. opportunism? I, I, I'm fascinated by this. So maybe not the sign. There are like some memorabilia that maybe people, AV geek, or should I say, by the way, I've realized I always keep saying AV Geek, AV Geek, because it's not an acronym. So AV Geek, is that how we say it? I don't I'm not know. Sure, I, I always wondered about that too. <laughs> uh, anyway, these people might be actually interested. I'm, I'm not, but I mean, I, I, yeah, of course, the side of Terminal One arrivals. Why not? It would be fun. Yeah. But I, I'm sure that the actual infrastructure. You're right. Probably, you know, in in lesser airports from emerging countries, maybe there are some stuff that, that goes, and they will actually buy some stuff in bulk. It's possible. I don't know, honestly. I'm not sure. It's, yeah, it would be interesting to see that. Uh, also, I hope, uh, guys, that if you're flying in Europe, you're not flying Air France these days. They are, they're still on strike. They canceled up to 40%, 30 or 40% of their flights, including international one. Uh, Lufthansa just stopped their strikes. It was, uh, was a short one. Uh, I'm flying tomorrow, guys, with Lufthansa to Athens. So, guys, please do not come back uh, striking because I don't want to be stuck tomorrow at Ethro. Oh, you're going go. on Lufthansa, not Aegean this time. Yeah, just because the price was uh, almost triple with Aegean. Really? Yeah. And uh, you know what? Uh, I think we discussed that yesterday and I'll come back to that later in the show. But also, um, I was starting to think I'm just going to ditch Star Alliance altogether. Uh, I've flown exactly zero miles on, on, on Star this year, but still, I still have status to see, you know what? At least if when I fly Lufthansa and back with actually with Swiss because the timings were better. I have access to their, you know, Senator Lounge, et cetera. So why not? And it was, it honestly, was a very, very good deal. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and honestly, in a situation like that, it's a no-brainer, just status or otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, since I just mentioned uh, Air France very quickly, they, there was this uh, story by uh, Loyalty Lobby. It's, it's a great it's website. It's a great site. He wanted to try June, you know, that yeah. new millennial airline. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and he ended up being Air France, being put one of their oldest planes. So it was an Air France plane with Air France livery, with Air France menus. Everything was basically Air France. And he says it was an awful flight. To put it on scale, this flight makes my experiences in United Economy look good. Whoa, that's some strong language. <clears throat> the aircraft is uh, was 21 years old and the economy class cabin had hadn't been refreshed ever. Uh, the screen of the IFE reminded me of an old Nintendo Game Boy and the armrests had uh, ashtrays. It frustrates me a little bit that they, whenever there's this, an offshoot is created or a low-cost wing of a, of a, of a legacy carrier, it's also the dumping ground for their crappiest airplanes <laughs> in the interim, right? Before they spool up and get whatever new airplanes they're ordering. And, and that's frustrating. But actually, the point about Air France, you know, how long are they going to last and all that is an interesting one. It got me thinking about subsidies. And, you know, in, in the quote-unquote West, let's talk US and Europe, 
subsidies are used to prop up incumbents who are fueled by mediocrity where if, <laughs> if you look you know in the middle east perhaps and you know whether they're subsidized or not i think i think we can safely say they are if they whether they use that word or not it doesn't really matter but they use it as a competitive advantage and not just a way to keep sucking Basically, I think pretty much every airline in the world has been or is still subsidized. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of these things. Especially it's so much carriers. cash intensive. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. One thing that was really bad is that the, the, the printed menus that they give, because of course you wanted to try premium economy and then you end up in an old Air France, so there's not even premium economy. The menus that they had printed that they given out to passengers did not match the actual food they had in the plane. <laughs> That's that bad. That right? is bad. Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I flew Air France a lot and it was always okay. Admittedly, mostly in business class when I was living in Tokyo, but still. Anyway, uh, since Ashray, we mentioned Ashray in the last episode. And then our favorite contrarian, Nick Donnelly, said that I flew Aeroflot in 2001 and there were Ashrays. And yes, so the, the I just wanted here to, to add some uh, details about the answer I gave last time. The ban on smoking was, of course, different across countries. The U.S. started banning in 88. I think it was only domestic flights under a certain amount of time. The full ban happened in 2000. BA was 98. I checked all these numbers to make sure. Uh, and the U.S. Uh, ban I, was the one that kind of kicked everything off because it wasn't yeah, course, just yeah. U.S. It was any flight to or from the U.S. as well Absolutely. that they banned. And it was sort of like, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, Let's, we might as well just do it ourselves. Yeah, plus this trend of history was already going that way. I mean, now yeah, yeah. besides Japan, you cannot smoke anywhere in the street almost. Uh, and Aeroflot actually banned smoking in 2001. So Nick, uh, like I told you on Twitter, you probably were in one of the last ever flights to have smoking. The interesting thing about Aeroflot is that they banned in 2001, and then they reallowed smoking in first, probably because they had some very wealthy customers, frequent flyers, maybe with also ties with the government that said, hey, come on, I need to smoke. And they reallowed it. Apparently now it's gone as well. So it's a full, uh, there's no smoking anymore in Aeroflot. I don't know when that happened. And some other airlines went into further into the 2000s. I, I, I know that Egypt Air, you could still smoke probably around 2003, probably. Uh, and, and a friend of mine flew Tajikistan Airways or something. I don't even remember the, the name. He told me in 2008, there were people smoking. So, but... Most probably 98% of commercial airliners around the world now, there's no smoking allowed. That doesn't exist anymore, guys. It's really over. So is there any airline? No, I don't think there's one. Actually, officially, I don't think so. Then if it's a private charter or if it's uh, your, own, uh, your own plane, obviously, I guess, there are countries you can still do whatever the hell you want. But otherwise, if it's a commercial airliner, I don't think it... Guys... If you've ever had anyone smoking legally, I'm not saying like going into the lavatories, uh, and recently tell us because I, I yeah, haven't I, seen I'd anyone smoking in more than almost 20 years now. No, in plane. thank goodness. Yeah, yeah thank goodness. Exactly. Um, thank God you were not flying uh, either uh, Air France or Lufthansa to go to your trip. Tell us a little bit. How was your trip then? Yeah, it was good. We flew on on BA on redemption season. It was pretty incredible, really, to be able to to take five people. We did London, Heathrow to Incheon, and then we flew from Incheon to uh, Osaka, which I'll talk about a little bit later, on Peach, which was fun, and then back <laughs> again on BA from from Haneda. Dreamliner from Heathrow to Incheon. It was the, it was really good. The service was really good. The cabin manager for economy made a point to come over and say hello 
because I have gold status, but also it wasn't a platitude. Like the guy was busting his butt and, to help us because you know we had a 13 week old baby with us and he was on top of it the whole time as were the rest of, of, of his team. I was really, 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 really impressed. Like he was joking with the, the kids and the baby and if my wife needed or I needed anything to help out. Nothing was was too much of an ask, so I was were, were, impressed. Were you able to get that? Uh, what you always try to do, like this kind of two two. How was the layout? Yeah, we had. You... Um, it's annoying on the Dreamliner because it's three three three. Where I was on the upper three 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 or three four three. Whereas on the upper deck of that three eighty, you've got the two on the sides, which is just yeah. such a perfect situation for us. But anyway, we had my wife was at the in the bulkhead. So she had one of my sons next to her, and then behind her, I sat with one of my other other sons, and it was fine. It's pretty tight in terms of seat pitch uh, on those Dreamliners. Pretty tight. I'd, I'd forgotten what it was like. Uh, I don't think I've only flown in economy a couple of times on a Dreamliner, and it's it's not the most comfortable out there. But the IFE is good. The food. I actually paid and did the pre order food out of Heathrow, oh. and. There's two advantages to that. One, you get your food way before anybody else because it's a special meal. And two, yes, it's 12 to 15 pounds, I think, but it's it's actually pretty good. It's like business class level food. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, premium economy at, at the worst. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. And so it was the 380 on the way back no, from Haneda? No, 777, 300. Okay. And did you also order food in advance no, you for that one? Only out of Heathrow. And actually okay. thinking about it, They're both 333. Oh. Yeah, they are, because I was just looking at some photos. So it's it's 333, which is which is fine. And on the way back, uh Haneda to, to Heathrow, which is a 12 and a half hour day flight, I had the dream seat, which is 29C, which doesn't have a seat in front of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the way we sat was my wife again was at the bassinet uh with uh no one that she knew next to her. I was in that seat, which is kind of like back and to her left. And then my two sons were across the aisle. And so we, we actually worked really well. And that seat meant that, you know, I could give it to my wife and she could sleep for a few hours while I looked after the baby. And then we tapped out. And so, yeah, it was good. I mean, the service wasn't nearly as good on the way back. It was, it was pretty abrupt. Uh, <laughs> in fact, there was one, there was one particular member of the cam crew who was very abrupt and it sort of became a running joke Uh, in the in the group of like maybe three or four rows on our side of the none of us none of us knew each other but it, it was it was that bad where it became a common bond <laughs> and how was the first life for your daughter then was she yes yeah, she was did she like it she, i mean yeah. yeah she was kids that age are so portable she was a, an absolute star didn't have any problems and and we were really lucky that both you know what what is that 24 hours of flying the seatbelt signs didn't go on once For, oh, wow. for turbulence. Uh, and there wasn't really any turbulence anyway. Uh, it was smooth. And actually, when you do Northern Europe, and, you're, and you go almost as far as the Arctic Circle on the way back, way there, both ways, it, it's generally relatively smooth. So yeah, we were lucky. Yeah, she was a champion. And BA, we're, we're good. We're really good. So and you had the cut and everything, obviously, right? We had the, so, yeah, the, the, so you the have early, early boarding and everything too, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah it was just... Uh, When we landed at, where was it? Oh, I know when we arrived back at Incheon to fly to Osaka, as we came off the, they've got this Arex train, which is wonderful, Airport Express. You can either do a nonstop service to Seoul Station or the stopping service, 
which worked out great for us because it was literally across the street from our apartment. We came up out, out of the escalator from the station and there was a one of those kind of service carts just waiting to pick people up and the lady just waved us on and drove us all the way through to to check-in. Oh, like wow. We hadn't booked it. We didn't even... We, we sort of said, no, 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 don't worry about it. She insisted sort of grabbing the kids, like putting them on. It was, uh, that airport is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that, it is a fantastic experience. We'll talk about it at the end, but wow. it's, it's a, So, and, and how was speech with, I mean, peach in general, and how was speech with the kid? Did you also have like you go. all the, some, some previous boarding? And got what, uh, got oh. my peach model. <laughs> I can see that, guys, you cannot see, I see it. Wow. Available for purchase. You know what? It was great. It was it was a low cost carrier, but a Japanese low cost carrier. Yeah. <laughs> so the service was super friendly and efficient. They had buy on board. All of the food looked excellent. We we just had I had a like seven or eight Picari sweats and my wife had a Diet Coke. But <laughs> <laughs> but the menu, they had like I wish I'd actually taken it, but they had like takoyaki and uh some other kind of um spring Osaka treats uh, and uh, various other bits and pieces. You could get obviously bento boxes and stuff, but yeah, for, it was an hour and a half flight. The seat pitch was, was tight from, you know, I'm, I'm not nearly as tall as you, but I'm still six foot one. And, but it, you know, for, for that length of flight and maybe double that length of flight, it was more than adequate. No. You, and you had bulkhead as well because of the baby. No, or? no, no, no. Nope. Um, uh, we were like row 30 something. Uh, 20, maybe 27. What A320. Okay. Uh, reasonably, maybe seven or eight years old. No, no screens or drop downs or moving map or anything like that. And no, no frills really at all. But comfortable seats, absolutely more than adequate. We were on time, of course, being Japanese. <laughs> Did you fly from uh, Incheon or Gimpo? We flew from Incheon. Okay. And so what, what I'm always curious about is because when you see, and if any of you guys have seen it, the, these planes are quite recognizable on, on the tarmac mm. because of the color. Is the interior also kind of no. the same kind of color code? Or Weirdly, it very... no, it's not. Uh, there wasn't much. I think maybe the um, maybe the front panels were, were the sort of, I don't know how you would describe it, purpley pink. Yeah, exactly. Fuchsia. But I, but I don't, other than that, no, not really. No announcements from the flight deck at any point. But that's that's pretty common for low-cost carriers these days, yeah. I found, because they're on such tight turns. They boarded us first. The boarding was very efficient. They um, they took our, our stroller right at the, at the very last moment, and it was there waiting for us when we got off. It was, yeah, it was perfectly fine and pretty reasonable value as well for, for the flight. And did you land at Narita or Haneda with that one? Uh, Kansai, Osaka. Oh yeah, sorry, my, my bad. Yeah, of course you told me that. I'm so sorry, guys. Yeah, Kansai. So, and how was? I mean, we'll, we'll redo. As I said earlier, we'll redo uh, KX uh, or Kicks, like you say. <laughs> like, like now that you've done it as a standalone episode, but just curious, how was the whole thing of taking the the going to the city with the kids and everything? Was it efficient? Yeah, it, it's it's Terminal Two is is strange. It feels temporary but it's obviously not and you you pull into a where is there an airport that's similar to the oh i tell you what's similar london city oh so okay. you, so you know at london city when you when you land you take air stairs but you walk into the terminal that was exactly the same situation here so you you and it, and it looks very industrial and weirdly flat obviously it was a, it's a manufacturer <laughs> island but you look and it's like 
there are things and surfaces for as far as the eye can see, but no sense of undulation or obviously being in an airport, there's no towers, there's no buildings, it's just flat. Uh, so you you come off the airplane next to other, you know, Peach and various other uh, low-cost carriers and you walk maybe 50 feet into this Again, very temporary feeling terminal. Is it uh, sorry to interrupt? Is it jet bridges, or do you have to walk downstairs? Downst- if there's a bus downstairs, and then across the tarmac. Uh, okay. Uh, if any of you have been to Ishigaki, same deal, same deal there. And then you go into this uh, again. I know I keep using the word temporary, but you know, like a like a porta cabiny type building, and go through immigration. And I told you, I, I mentioned this to you in a message, but. The immigration process was really interesting. I've never been scrutinized so heavily outside of the U.S. in my life about where I was staying. And they had these huge signs in Japanese, but the only English word there was Airbnb. And we were staying in an Airbnb, and they wanted to know the phone number of the host. They wanted to know the full address. So you couldn't just put in like what you normally do going, you know. So Airbnb is very contentious in Japan. It's actually banned. Now they're uh, removing part of the ban because of the the upcoming Olympics uh, to make it easier. But it's still very heavily restricted. Uh, And so there's a really common goal of trying to uh, ban people for going to Airbnb that are not authorized by the landlord or the proprietor. And that happened a lot because, you know, Japan has this kind of – you know, you have to be very respectful of your neighbors, don't do noise, etc. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you look at a lot of listings of Airbnb in Japan, they will tell you, okay, when you get back into your flat, make very, be very yes. silent, don't make any fuss. Doesn't mean that the Airbnb in question is illegal. And by illegal, I say was not announced to the landlord, for instance. But it simply means that this is how you you know, you have good neighborhoods or whatever. So it, it's a, it's changing. We know that I think it's coming now. I think it's April, actually, April 2018. They're actually kind of relaxing a bit the, the rules of Airbnb, but I'm pretty sure that's why you got so heavily scrutinized. It wouldn't surprise me. It. I would be very interested to see. Uh, I'm not going back to Japan until November, at least right now, to, to see if we run into the same thing. But but it was – they had a, somebody there – why you were in the queue looking at your cards to make sure that you had a complete address on there and then they they were they you know when you got to the desk they scrutinized it even further and then when you when you come out and get your bags and of course same deal your your bag is taken off the belt and lined up beautifully as they always are in Japan you you again come into this arrivals area that's nothing there's nothing there and you walk out and then you take a bus into the main a free shuttle bus takes seven minutes into to the terminal the, one so the main terminal the main terminal with the oh. with the train station and all that and of course i made a beeline for a lawson uh which was which is right there i have my egg sandwich and my another picard but <laughs> um but yeah and then uh you get into town on the train yeah okay and, and how was that fine yeah pretty pretty fast actually you know what we you can take this snow piercer for those of you who've seen that movie esque train with these huge round windows that's like an, uh, an express train into uh, Nankai Namba station right in Osaka but I accidentally bought the wrong tickets and we ended up going on one of the slower local trains which turned out to be a huge blessing because you're going through these neighborhoods and you really get a sense of of Osaka as a, as a city. So it was fantastic. And then that dropped us right where we needed to be. So it's very easy. You have pl- tons of options. 
And you didn't fly from no, Osaka to the Shinkansen. Yeah, nice. we did the Nozomi, so the ultra fast one. Oh, yeah. So you didn't have the, the GR rail pass so you could access it, right? Yeah, we could. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't cheap, but uh, it, was, it was... Yeah, but it's so amazing. It's, and yeah. also, it's interesting because the Nozomi, uh, because it's not accessible for people who have the GR rail pass, for those of you who don't know, it's a pass to access all the train systems in Japan that you have to buy... Uh, before you actually land into Japan, and you of course have to prove that you are a f- not a resident of of Japan. Meaning, when I was living there, I was taking the Nozomi, and it's really fantastic. Uh, and a bit uh, when I say fantastic, a bit awkward because you're almost alone as a foreigner in there. It's the only Japanese people. And then if you take the the Hikari, which is the non Nozomi Shinkansen on that route, that will be obviously, especially during you were for the blossoming there will be a lot more uh, foreigners it's always a, a a very fun sight yeah it was rammed with with uh business folk who were who didn't and it was actually a very very busy train and it was like 11 o'clock in the morning but obviously such a such a great experience my kids loved it and you get to tokyo exactly when you are supposed to yeah yeah it's the busiest route on earth also for our planes uh so there's i think there's a shinkansen every 10 minutes or something that, and yeah, they that all, sounds about right they're all full and and then you can also do it with with the plane either from itami or from kix i had done it with a star flyer the other low cost which is really cool and also it's always full and everybody is in a suit meaning there's a lot it's, it's really like a super heavy route yeah so it's uh, so it's pretty amazing anyway of course, you love Japan, and of course, you're going to go back. I was supposed to go at the end of this month. I'm pushing it probably for June uh, or the summer. We'll see, depending on when I can actually, because I have like more work and I cannot just go to Japan. I wish, like you, I need to create a, sh- a travel show. There just you go. have an excuse. <laughs> Any, anything more you want to tell us about that uh, travel? No, I, I think um, I was I was in a weird way hoping that Peach wasn't going to be very good. So I go, okay, well, at least they're, you know, all low-cost carriers around the world are the same. But it wasn't. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) Once you were there, uh, and I think whilst I was still also in Asia, there was a a video uh, that went viral in Japan. It was filmed in Japan on YouTube. I'm not sure of the airport, but you could see, uh, because we've been talking about that uh, every time we mention Japan, Japanese airports, is how neatly prepared are the luggages on that conveyor belt? Uh, they all, you know, the yeah. handles face you. They all next to. But that video is you can also see that the person, she's a she, was actually handling the luggage bef- just as they're going to the conveyor belt. Is not only aligning them and putting them in the right direction, she's also uh, cleaning them because it had been raining, so she removes uh, a little bit of the of the, the water that is on, on the conveyor belt. And then you like, this is not what happens anywhere else in the world, and this is why we love Japan. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's so, so amazing. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing that we, we, we had a very – early flight from Haneda back to London that flight leaves at like 8.30 in the morning. So we stayed out at the airport. There's a hotel attached to the terminal, oh, which wow. is a very good hotel. Uh, and so we did that and we spent the evening on the fourth floor of the international terminal. They've got this Edo, so old Tokyo yeah, absolutely. Like, set up in all these wonderful restaurants. So we got some food and then we spent like hours out on the uh, observation deck. Oh, you did it. Which you is- did it. Huge. 
Is it? It's, it's amazing because you can really see everything from the planes departing, landing, from yeah. the ones actually uh, docking, everything. And, and oh, they've this got is these amazing. screens where you can, like, yeah. you can play with. But they've also got this wonderful uh, shop that sells all kinds of airplane paraphernalia. So yeah. <clears throat> my son and I, youngest son and I, stocked up on models and other stuff. But they also had this huge scale electrics track as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my son, yeah, son, yeah. son played with that. And do you uh, remember, yeah, it was, if you, was it, I think it was two or three years ago, I brought you back for one, I think it was from your son, like, uh, I think it was a plane. Yeah, yeah, the bird so, plane plush, that was, which he that was from That was from that shop. Oh, no. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's a great, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic airport, which we've talked about a lot, but I was glad to have finally got up there and experienced that, uh, that wonderful observation deck. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's one of the best, especially like you said, these touch screens when you can also, what kind of planes am I seeing? And you can have like delivery and the tail and the thing. And it's, it's really also, it's fun. Even if you're not an AV geek, AV geek, like I said earlier, even if you're not one, it's also very fun to stay there. And you can have drinks and you can even have food there. You just bring it up from, from the, 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 the Edo thing, which is also super nice. No, it's, it's a great airport. I totally, I totally love it. And it's amazing how, this international terminal has changed because I remember flying from it back 10 years ago, for instance, to go actually to, to Gimpo. I went to, to Seoul for the weekend because like you, you saw, it's just a 90 minutes flight. And that was literally what you just described about, uh, KIX terminal two. It was a small hangar with nothing mm. whatsoever. And, and we're like, this is an international airport. What's going on here? Yeah. And then, and now they really like pushed it. We mentioned, I think it was in the last episode. This is why Narita now is also expanding to, to kind of compete with, uh, with Anita because Anita is so proud practical when you are wanting to be in in tokyo oh, yeah. especially especially west tokyo because you're right there basically we took so the limousine bus uh from from near work because we were staying uh in a, in a reasonably central location and the, I, that was the first time i've taken one of the limousine bus services and what a joy that was so yeah, it's amazing Actually, when I was living in Japan, I never had taken the train. I was always taking the limousine bus from Narita, and it was always fantastic. Yeah, it was the that's easiest. The, way to do it. Uh, the only, uh, as a, as a, as we say when we describe some of the Japanese airport, the only time you have to be a little bit wary of the limousine bus, especially out of Narita, is rush hour mm-hmm. because obviously that lengthen a little bit the the distance. But otherwise, it's a it's so practical because if you've never been, especially you just look at the name of the hotel and it basically drops you right in front of it, and that's just perfect. If you don't know anything, if you're scared to get lost in the metro, you can't. But if you are, if you're a little bit anxious, this limousine bus is a great service. Yeah, honestly. And you, and there's some in, like a rush hour on the metro with bags you don't want to do. Uh, no, I have a I have a story about limousine bus. <laughs> I don't know if I should say. It. Never mind. I will. Uh, there was a friend of mine. She when I was living there, she was going to uh, Narita with the limousine bus. Uh, she had to go. She wanted to go back to Europe for holidays and. Uh, on the very last row of the bus, uh, about 20 minutes before arriving to Narita, uh, an elderly passenger died. And in a very Japanese style, because they didn't want to disturb anyone else, they actually went up to the end to deposit everyone at the terminal, and, not, and then only they took care of that person. Of course, that person was already passed away, yeah. so it's nothing as if they could have said, but I mean, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so, so very weird. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, for those who have lived in Japan, you get it. Yeah, it's yeah. how it works, right? Anyway, uh, 
enough about Japan because the worst we can spend the entire episode talking about it because we both love it. And I'm so happy that now Alex is uh, not only arriving to my level of love, but actually almost like he's, he will be going more often than I do now for crying out Any loud. Any excuse I, need to, I can get. I need to keep up. I need to keep up. Uh, since you flew BA, the, the news that probably half of the people, I think uh, Brookie Boy, at Brookie Boy on Twitter, Stuart, and also Elizabeth at uh, underscore Elizabeth underscore Lex was like, guys, what do you think about it? BA buying a stake of Norwegian and maybe buying the entire airline. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm just I'm disappointed and worried that this is this is happening. I actually found out from uh, Jason Rabinowitz on Twitter at Airline Flyer, who you guys should all follow. He's he's great, uh, and he he never holds back on his opinions. Which I think is good. I think he's got a strong, uh, uh, strong opinions. But he said that uh, IAG has acquired a four point six one percent ownership position in Norwegian, and he considers this a stepping stone to require buying the whole airline. But the complication is, and you know, we can come back to the implications of this and whether or not it's a good thing. And it's not. The founder of Norwegian, whose name escapes me at the moment, owns like twenty seven percent of the company. So he really holds the cards here about whether or not he wants to give anybody a uh, a controlling stake in this business because I think the Norwegian government still owns 10%. But I don't think this is a good thing, especially for tattle prices uh, and competition. In fact, I, w- I think this is going to get a lot of scrutiny from the competition authorities. Oh, that's that's for sure. If, if they do, like, like because like Alex say, they only bought 4.61%. Um, Bloomberg was saying that they were weighing to actually doing a bit to buy the entire company. Norwegian is is both doing great. You're expanding. There was Norwegian Argentina. We talked we talk about Norwegian every single episode. Uh, though uh, one thing we don't mention is that they're not financially the more the most robust company yet. They're like in this very fast growth phase. They've been acquiring a lot of planes. I think they're actually not uh, getting any new planes next year. This is the last year where they're still growing. A lot of Dreamliners are coming in, in line for them. Um, so, so they have a lot of debt. And they've actually also had an influx in cash uh, uh, very recently. I think it was also debt, maybe $150 million. I'm not saying they're like bleeding cash and they're about to run out of gas, but meaning that there might be interest also from their side to say that, okay, we springboarded this company in order maybe to make it more stable. We need to associate with someone else. IAG being, I know you, you said, what would you say the other day that it was a missed opportunity for, for, for yeah, Virgin? Yeah, I mean, right? I, said, I, th- I said a few years ago that I thought Virgin should acquire Norwegian when they were much, much, much smaller. It would have been a perfect opportunity. But I, I also now believe, and I've said this to you, I may have even said this on this show, that I think that the Virgin brand, especially in travel, is being quietly yeah. sunset. Yeah, it's not what it used to be. No, for sure. I think it will be gone in the next 10 years. And, and so unless Delta want to do it, it's just not going to happen. And again, that would come under just as much scrutiny as this deal. But, you know, uh, IAG said in an official statement after they confirmed this was happening, that they they see Norwegian as an attra- attractive investment. And there was, of course, you go on airliners.net and there's all of the armchair CEOs, but that there was speculation that they started level just to put pressure on on Norwegian to come to the table and have these conversations wow. and that they will kill level once they get a little bit more uh, of this of this airline which which, which makes sense by the way because if you have an yeah. entire low cost airline 
why would you keep like flying, you know, Iberia plane, no, like I, a June yeah, the, thing, you know, I mean, just don't, you know, it just makes it interesting to just, if you look at the past, because uh, what would they do if you look at uh, when BA bought BMI, uh, which was also an airline with a lower cost base, it was not an actual full low cost. At the beginning, they were also unsure whether or not they would actually fully uh, embark it within BA. Now the brand has disappeared, so they fully completely aggregated it into BA uh, because of the lower cost base. I think in this this instance, if they were to actually acquire uh, Norwegian, they would keep it as a separate brand because of the lower cost base. By the way, when they did this integration with BMI, it was only at the cost of actually doing a very heavy uh, negotiation with pilots, you know, to make them actually you know, happy on both sides. And I don't think in that instance it would happen. So probably the the the, the, the name would would last, or would they change it? But it would, I, I wish I doubt it, because now Norwegian is a very good brand recognition around yeah. the world and, and a solid one. People kind of seem to like it. It's not uh, it's not a, a, a bad low cost. People are like, yeah, I can go to places for not a lot of money, and they're fun and friendly. So, yeah. but again, I'm like you. I'm not sure. If it's a good thing, and I'm not even sure that's a big one, if the antitrust authorities would actually let that happen in the end as well. No, I, yeah, I, I think that's going to come under a lot of scrutiny, and 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 I'd be interested to know if this was a defensive acquisition, if there were other people looking at this, and it wouldn't surprise me if there were, and they just yeah, because to stop all the big ones else. are looking. We, yeah. we said, uh, I mean, June and Transavia, and what's Hop with the other one from from Air France KLM, and then you have. Uh, German wings and Euro wings from the, I mean, they're all looking at low, are lowering their, their cost structure and having a low cost. So it's an attractive target yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm, I have my first Norwegian f- flight uh, in a couple of weeks to Chicago. Oh, oh you're taking Norwegian. Yeah. Oh, because wow. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm literally there for less than 24 hours. And of course, if I, and it's not over a Saturday night, so you'd pay through the nose otherwise. So I'm trying their, their, their premium product to, O'Hare, we'll see what it's like. I will report back. I know you've done it, so I I, I booked with confidence. What did you? Did, were you able to snag uh, row one? No, it was pretty busy actually. I can't remember where I'm sitting, but uh, it. I'm I'm excited to try it out. Okay, you you let us know when what yeah. happened because that would be. A, by the way, uh, since we're talking about that, uh, we have uh, one of our listeners at Luca Balbiani on uh, on Twitter. That's his name as well. Uh, I think he works for Amadeus actually. Uh, he loves our podcast. Thank you so much, Luca. And he, he says that indeed, if you're flying Vueling, which is part of IAG, you don't get tier points on BA. Uh, so I, I still believe that if you are put in Vueling Metal whilst having booked on BA, you should get your points. But if you only book directly Vueling, you're not going to get any points. It's not no avios and no tier points if you fly uh, Vueling. Which to me makes it, you know, just another yeah. airline. <laughs> Might as well be EasyJet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's the thing. I ended up, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a, a a client to see in Spain in the at the end of June, and uh, wearing is one of my options. They're probably not going to take it because of that. If I were, would you get I'm lounge access? Gonna... Would you would you get BA lounge access? I'm not even sure. I mean, I'm gold like you. So if I show that I'm wearing and I have my gold card, will they let me in? Luca, tell us. Maybe you know yeah, better. You also live in be London. So very tell interesting to know. <laughs> me too. It'd be very interesting to know. By the way, Avios is closing. Yes. This really strange, uh, it's a, what is it? It's <laughs> exactly. It's always been very 
for me, incomprehensible as a concept. I, 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 I think it was a way to say, you know, you'll have points that you can do whatever you want with, not only airlines, but you could do anything, you, yeah. you know, like a currency thing. And we call it Avios. But then you had Avios plus executive miles. It was like, what is on yeah, it? So basically, they're yeah. they sure shutting that down. Are they going to still refer to the accrued currency you get on BA as Avios? I'm not sure. That's my question as well. They just said that if you are an existing member in Avios, but you don't have, because that's possible, you don't have a BA Executive Club membership, you'll be automatically having an executive membership unless you opt out. Okay, I think that's so the end do, of July. They're standalone, which... Yeah, it's totally unnecessary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really think it was one of these grand ideas. Let's do something that everybody they wanted to use be and... like the um, what's the one the sense uh, nectar nectar exactly. Yeah, you know? I think yeah, that's a yeah. yeah. Just do what you do, BA. Yeah, you're you an airline exactly. But I, I'm I'm welcoming the end of the freaking confusion because that's uh, that for me was never very clear what what was what you know and. I really dislike all the programs that are so complicated yeah. to understand. There was, by the way, a shout out to one of our fellow podcasts called uh, DLD Dots, Lines and Destinations. Very good, long running podcast about also AV geeks like us. It's really cool. I usually listen to them when, I, when I'm on a treadmill. And they have an episode, I think, 185. They're far ahead than us, Alex. We need to catch up. <laughs> where, where they interview someone who works in the loyalty industry, and they have this fascinating discussion. And they say, you know, in the US, it's so complicated. You have to have like a minimum spend, but taxes do not accrue for spend, and then you have the minimum the number of miles, but also the type of the type of short haul. And this is so it should be so much easier. And again, I know I keep repeating that. I go on Emirates, I buy a ticket, and right there it tells me, you know what, if you want to upgrade, that's going to cost you that many miles. And you know, at the moment, even before you actually buy your ticket, it's just how it should be. It's just simple. Uh, yeah, I know that um, Southwest Airlines used to have the most wonderful one where it was fly 10 times, get a free ticket. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's cool. Unfortunately, actually. it's changed, and I, I don't fly them enough to know the in- intricacies of it, but I think they have you know, tears and earning and blah, blah, blah. But that when it was like fly 10 times to get a free ticket, it's like, oh, yes. And and you understand because it's a, it's outstanding points, meaning the points which you and I hold are a liability on an airline's balance sheet. So I can understand why they, why they do some of this, but unnecessarily complicated ones piss me off just as much as, uh, as they do you. So I, 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 I wish that somebody would make it easier, but I also understand why they don't. No, no, of course, of course. We're, I'm really talking just at, uh, as a passenger. I just wish that sometimes it was not as obscure to yeah. understand. And then how can I actually spend them and when? And it's just, oh my God. Anyway, uh, since we just talked about Biega, don't worry, we're going to move off the UK in, in a few. Uh, you were not there. There was, uh, for the first time in 17 years, your control had an IT failure. There was a downtime in the, uh, the European airspace, which is the busiest in the world. It was not a full shutdown of the airspace, but that was pretty, pretty interesting to see. I think it was April 30, if I remember correctly. But you know what? One five hours downtime in 17 years, that's a lesson for BA. That's all I'm going to say. That, yeah, I think that that's pretty amazing. <laughs> and it was neat slash weird to see the uh, like flight radar and flight aware and um, some of those other Twitter accounts showing the snapshots of the empty airspace 
uh, when that when that happens, or the or the you know planes having to take much longer routes. So yeah, it's good for them. You're right. Five hours and seventeen years, pretty freaking amazing. Last one about Europe and and the UK. Uh, the only probably one good thing that we will have after Brexit when it comes to aviation is that there are discussions currently in the EU to reduce the passenger rights. Uh, you know, when the plane is cancelled or has like delays more than three hours, etc., depending on the length, etc., etc., etc. They want to make it easier for airlines, the more difficult for us to be entitled to compensation. But the UK says we're going to stick to the rules that exist now. So we might have in the UK better rules than the rest of Europe. Why not? Yeah. Well, um, as with so much of Brexit, I'll believe it when I see it. But that's uh, (laughs) that's, they're saying the right things, right? (laughs) You know what? I I just think that, you know, for those who haven't really followed Brexit, what they're going to do, they're going to freeze all legislation, existing legislation coming from the EU at the date of the exit of the UK from the EU. And since there's so much to actually freeze, I think this is just the fact that, you know what, we we cannot individually start to alter these laws. So if the EU passes a law that reduces passenger compensation, we just had frozen it. We're not going to touch it. It's too complicated. There's way too much stuff. Let's reassess later. We have other things to do. So I think it, it might well be that for a while, these rules will actually be maintained until some you know um, uk airlines starts to shout that they don't want to have to pay too much but <laughs> I mean, we already do <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, a little bit of my, my trip not too long yeah. i went to taipei will do the airport and i went to dubai for work as well uh just one thing before the trip actually i flew on emirates and there this ad that i had seen just before Flying is very effective because a lot of friends of mine were not into aviation. All talk about it. I think it's very clever. The ad goes: people trying to get upgrades. Oh, yeah, so you have this lady cute. pretending to be pregnant. The other, like all the the tricks that you would do to try yeah. at counter to get the upgrade. And at the end, the old tagline is simply "upgrade your airline." And I think it's super effective. It's very honestly. clever. Very clever. <laughs> it's and true as well. <laughs> so uh, a few things that I, because we've talked so many th- times about Emirates, so there's nothing you know specific to, to tell about. I flew uh, 380s all the time, uh, always the same seats. So uh, 23A and 133K, which is a bulkhead at the back of business class. So I have a little bit more room. I love that one. Lots That's of privacy. It's uh, I, really, I, lo- I really love that seat, actually. I already have it for, I think, three of my legs, too, uh, because I do Singapore and uh, Dubai again. At the, at the end of the month. So one thing, I was picked up by a driver. And as you know, drivers, I think in Dubai, the chauffeur drive might be directly owned by one of the Emirates groups of companies. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. But outside of it, they are simply contracting out to local companies to have drivers pick you up. In the UK, I don't remember the name. There's two, I think, because I've always seen these two companies. Very good ones. I always appreciate the drivers and the service, the level of service in the UK. One thing that I learned through my driver, though that's very interesting, is that there are some, you know, I guess you, Alex, you have somebody picking you up like it happened last time you took Emirates, and you go to the airport, and that's pretty much it. But the driver told me there's so many people that actually ask the driver to run errands. Can we make a stop? Really? They need to pick up something. There are so many people that the minimum time that it can pick you up before a flight is three hours. You cannot choose when you go and manage my booking on Emirates websites. You cannot say, I want two hours. It's three hours 
or more. You can go up to, I think, six hours before your flight. But you have people that maybe simply don't want to. So they, they're not showing up. They say, yeah, I'm coming down. And they come down up to 45 minutes later mm. whilst the driver is waiting. What I didn't know, however, is that... If you make an errand, if you make a stop, the driver will charge you 20 pounds for each stop you make. Wow. And for every 20 minutes you're late, it's also 20 pounds. That adds up. I didn't know they were doing that. I didn't know that either. They don't, <laughs> they don't exactly advertise that. No, they don't. He says that, you know, of course, if somebody is, you know, nice and not being an ass about it, he might Maybe not though, charge yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. He also says it's a very awkward kind of discussion to be having, you know, with your passenger. By the way, it's going to cost you if you're doing two stops. If you're Alex, you're on your way back home and you say, can you quickly make a stop at Tesco, you know, to buy yeah, some yeah. groceries yeah, quickly? He will, he will do it and he will wait for you the 10, 15 minutes uh, so that's actually super kind. But he says that normally this would have to be charged 20 pounds to you by the driver because already you already paid the airline. So that's over. So it's interesting. That, I had no idea that would place. That is interesting. I, I didn't know that. And I actually, I've never thought, oh, I should make some stops. But the, but the yeah, thing about exactly. stopping at, you know, grabbing some milk or whatever, it's a good one. But he told me the one story that was staggering because he really he really had I'm not going to share all of them because also I don't want maybe him to be recognized if anyone mm. from Emirates is listening. Uh, but he had really like bad stories about really people abusing the fact that they had a driver. But one was like a person who said, uh, "Oh, do you see my car parked up there? I just want to drop it somewhere else and then we go." And he says, "Of course, I'm just going to follow you," assuming that the guy would go maybe two streets down or the guy drove. For an hour, no way <laughs> to park his car, probably at his office or something, which was not even in the direction of the airport, and then shouted back with say, "No, but I should be charging you." Says, "No, no, 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 it's part of the service, etc." Really, That's I mean, bad. some people are. I guess once you have a chauffeur, maybe some people something think yeah, snaps in their brains. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I flew the three eighty. They were. Uh, it was always interesting because I flew three generations of three eighty. So you can see the small difference, the smaller screen. The fact that sometimes it touches not as well. The newer ones, you can really touch like an iPad. And the older ones, you're mm. going to kind of have to press uh, the second screen or the third screen. Because now the very newer ones, the, the remote, has also a screen on it. You can actually watch three things at the same time if you wish. You know, <laughs> uh, On the bulkhead seat, if any one of you like this bulkhead seat, I prefer, Emirates, listen to me, I prefer the old version. Because the old version, you could, the Ottoman where you would put your feet, you had actually a, a hidden compartment under it, for, for instance, to put your shoes. On the new one, they removed it for some oh, that's reason. Annoying. So I think, yeah. What was interesting, though, is like, do you remember last time you took uh, Emirates? Did you have, uh, you were also in business class, did you have a bedding ready next to you? So you're the mattress, basically. And, yes. And the, yeah. So they don't do that on every flight, and I was very surprised. Uh, I was very surprised to see that in the flight to Taipei, which was a longer flight and also a night flight, there were no beddings, and simply was on demand, which is fine. Mm. But I would always thought that an airline like uh, like Emirates would streamline what should be on the seat for every single aircraft, yeah. at least for a, a certain amount of time uh, of, uh, of of flight. Anyway, I don't know. That is strange. What time of day was the flight? You know, like these things at Dubai when you land at midnight and you take your other flight at 3 a.m.? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they consider that in, in Taipei by that time is already, you know, maybe the you know, yeah. early afternoon or something. That's I don't interesting. know how it works. Uh, they have new amenity tickets. I don't know if you had them uh, from also Bulgaria. Now they're no more brown, but they are in like uh, a gray. gray. Yeah. 
interestingly, had three different ones as well. Really? <laughs> the one that is a bifold, one is a trifold, and uh, they're all different. They have the same products in it, but they're all different. They said, hmm. ah, it's interesting. I kept them all. I can, I'll of show course. them to you one of these days. And one thing that, that was interesting in Dubai at Concourse B, they are redoing parts of the airport around the gates uh, B28 plus to B something, I don't know, 30 something with the ends. They're completely redoing it. And very interestingly, maybe for you when you fly with your kids, they seemingly are installing like some kind of like a, a joy park. They have, they will be, you know, bubble plays. They no, will be like not be a great. roller coaster. So yeah, that, that sounds, uh, they're like video games, arcades and stuff. I, I don't know. It's, it's not ready. You, if, if you have kids and you see something like that in an airport, you're like, this is the greatest airport in the world. It's such a useful thing. And I, I give credit to Heathrow. T5 has got a huge indoor play area, which my kids love. And it, you can go as a parent. You just sit there. A T3's got one as well. It's it's really, really good. Um, Munich or Frankfurt? I think it's Munich. Have several because it's such a long terminal. It must be Frankfurt then. Uh, I, those are just such great great facilities which uh, you know if you don't have a kid with you you're going to walk past that even thinking about but as uh, if you got kids with you oh wonderful paradise it's like an and, oasis and you know the, the other thing that i noticed in uh, taipei airport which we'll do separately in an episode but and i was thinking as well about you is that you know when you check in or when the waiting area is usually a lot of uh, seats but they're not a lot of tables and taipei had a lot of tables i could see families redoing their packaging before checking in for instance or what a good uh, idea. you know reshuffling stuff or putting their kids at changing their kids and i was like this is something that should be so evident to to make it easy when you have two kids running around like you and you have to take care of the third one maybe you have to reshuffle things between flights and you have simply like well laid out tables to do that it's a good idea it's a really good idea i can't think of any airport in the world that has that that i've been to yeah. Yeah, uh, really caught my eye. It's just tables, literally. There's no anything sexy about it. But it was, and I saw families using them, and I was like, "This is such a normal mm. idea. It shouldn't even be extraordinary." <sighs> One more thing about that flight on the way from Taipei to back to Dubai, where I was working, I needed to be on stage uh, two hours after I landed. I upgraded myself in first class nice. because I had fifty thousand miles. That was. That were about to expire, so I had a shower. We've already talked about it, so no need to go over that. The one thing that was cool it was it was almost at a, the first class cabin was almost empty. I arrived at two k, and they say, "Which seat do you want?" I say, "I have two k." I say, "Yeah, but three k is empty. Four k is empty. You can do whatever you want." I was like, "Okay." So I expended myself. I put my luggage in behind me and some of my stuff in the other seat, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, then the pilot because they switch pilots during the flight. Of course, for such a long flight, I think it's like twelve hours or whatever. The the pilot came and asked of course the crew asked me as well do you mind if i take a nap in 1k and i was like no of course not but the fact that he asked was super nice actually that is nice yeah yeah and we also chatted of course about airlines and whatever was super cool but the fact that he asked was surprised was you don't need to ask me you're a pilot for playing out no that's nice though that's really (laughs) Nice. nice and the rest i'll talk about when we talk about taipei the thing that is cool and I didn't realize on Emirates is that they have one channel out of their 30 billion that is a, a kitten TV channel. Yeah. You can see cats. I think all... there's like two or three. <laughs> it's amazing. If you're anxious and, and if you put your headphones, they're actually purring. It's just 
I didn't know that it existed. Yeah, my kids oh my. discovered it on the when we flew out to Dubai in October. They they were watching it. It's it's such a good idea. That's 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 when you know you've got enough content. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, about the three eighty. The 380 iFly, the Portuguese uh, company, is actually acquiring, I think, two at least of their Singapore Airline 380. Mm. Somebody actually ended up buying on the second market a 380. They want to to fly them. Interestingly, they will. So they're a charter airline. So they lease airline to other airlines. So they charter airline. They will keep the same layout. So basically, if you ever fly with a charter airline at 380 with iFly, you'll have the super suites on the 380. And that's what really surprised me because I thought that they would do high density for correct, yeah, for uh, some of the Hodge pilgrimage. That that's a that's a pretty. Uh, intense route, yeah. Intense, that's the perfect word for it. But no, this is this is interesting. So I would be interested to see what routes they end up serving and, and who they wet lease for. It'll be very interesting to see how that all goes. Yeah, they. I think they are – they do wet lease to Air New Zealand, but I doubt Air New Zealand would be interested in that and to – a few others as well. They also, because HiFly also buys its own planes there, they, I think, ordered at least 10 uh, 330 neos Yeah. Uh, so they, they are a pretty potent uh, lesser charter airline. I was in Madrid and I think I saw them. I think they had a – I remember messaging you. They, it was like a – it's a triple seven or a three forty or something, but yeah, they um, they have a three forty three hundreds. Yeah, that maybe that's what it was, but yeah, so very interesting. And they have a livery, almost like the European flag, the the, the tail. The other thing about three eighty, we haven't flown the new first class yet. You know, this fantastic thing with virtual windows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tim Clark says it won't be retrofitted into the three eighty at least before 2021 uh, uh, because it's first of all they haven't exactly figured out how to do it uh, and he says that that's the retrofit would cost 30 million dollars per aircraft jeez louise yeah so I think this is also why I mean, is it you know some of the first is already very good so do we need to actually retrofit the new 380s, the first ones will not even have it. You know, the first ones they just bought the, right. that will come in 2020, they will still have the current, which is great, guys, of course. And they might not reconfigure the older 777s either. It will be a niche product for a while. Well, I still want to experience it somehow. <laughs> me, me too. I was looking at it. I was looking at it again from Brussels or from, uh, from Geneva. It's Stansted now. Yeah, in June. In June. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, that's that's a good excuse to go to Stansted, which is really far for us. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the other great uh, in the region, the other news was uh, Gulf Air that seemingly suddenly is rising back to a competitor because it was this airline that was – you know, I think Bahrain was a protectorate of the British Empire or something like that. Mm, and that's so. that's why they put, uh, I think, they put money in there for the airline industry, which, which explains why Gulf Air was a very early player there. But then, you know, the other that we know suddenly can walk up and completely erase Gulf Air out of memory because not a lot of people fly them. But their new Dreamliners, they look really good. Yeah. The, the interior is, wow. Yeah, the, uh, Johnny at the Design Air did a great uh piece on on the new livery and the new interiors and they they both look fantastic so good on them i think they're feeling the pressure as well not just from the me3 but from people like oman air who has spent like 10 10 years focusing on this to try and get ahead and take advantage of their 
their geography. So they've, they, they're playing a massive catch-up game, but this is a very strong step in the right direction. For those of you who haven't seen the pictures, the business class is basically the same that JAL, Korean Air, and Oman actually uses. This is staggered, but everyone else access. I flew that on the on the... On Korean Air, uh, the 748, this is really a great, great, great business product. It looks really fantastic. Yeah. It almost looks like the first class, actually. Interestingly, uh, a few years ago, nobody wanted to be the CEO, and they hired the the former boss of Croatia Airline to run these. The guy was actually doing that. So I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. He's really pushing to rebuild the airline, to... Uh, to, to uh, add some more routes in uh, Western Europe, actually, where we live. So it could be interesting. Let's see where, where it goes. But uh, it seemed very pushy in a, in a good way. Mm. So. Yeah, they, sometimes you need that. Uh, our April 1, April Fool's was already, uh, because we're recording today, I, mean, I forgot to mention that on Friday the 13th. Bad luck or not, I don't know. <laughs> they were not going to go over the April Fool's. There's one skip lagged, which is uh, one of these OTAs you can buy. It's, a, it's an app as well. We can buy, uh, of course, tickets. The, and during that day, you could actually buy tickets from uh, London, for instance, to Mars. Why not? <laughs> with SpaceX. Uh, that uh, I did it. I, no, I didn't buy, but I went until the booking process. A hundred thousand uh, pounds. That was the price of my ticket. Yeah, very that, reasonable. I don't think that's first class. <laughs> <laughs> so that won't have windows. But would you sleep, Alex, in the cargo? <laughs> no, I, no, I wouldn't. I don't think I would. The lack of windows, I think, would really bother me. So that's the concept that Airbus just launched along with Zodiac, which are like some type of sleeping berth that would be installed in where your luggage are usually, and or cargo, obviously, so under the floor of where you usually sit. And I, th- th- does that have a market? It- it's been really well received by pundits, if you will, industry pundits. But I, we, th- <laughs> and we talked about this. I think if if it's the type of if it's a modular system that can come in and out reasonably easily, I think that's that's in a way genius. But there are seasons and routes and and uh, you know opportunities where cargo is more valuable than passengers and to remove the opportunity to to take advantage of that lucrative cargo space seems self-defeating but i i feel like they would have thought that if i figured that out then they clearly have as well <laughs> good you're not one of the ceos in on flyer talk <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but it's i mean they say that you know on a turnaround they could actually you know, install deinstall this it'd be very flexible i still don't see it you know i mean I'm like you in terms of the, the purely not having windows. I'm like, ah, really? As as a as a crew rest area, clearly, that, yeah. yeah, you know, retrofitting crew rest areas in planes that don't have very well one, great. But as a product to sell to passengers, maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong. I just don't seem to be seeing it. There's a a few, isn't there? There's a A340, A34500, or a few of the others that have a downstairs. Yep. Lavatories yep. and a and a quote unquote lounge as well. I, I'll be interested to see if anybody actually goes for this option at ever, <laughs> or if it's <laughs> one of those things like a concept car, you know, where you roll it out at an at a, at an industry event, which this was, and the reality is either doesn't exist. It's just a, as a way of showcasing what 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 you're thinking and your design pedigree and all that. 
I don't know. And also, Airbus is really wanting us not to have Windows because they had a, another concept a few weeks ago, remember, with LG, say we're going to replace your Windows with these massive screens. The hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the argument being that it's more aerodynamic, right? If you take yeah. out the Windows, yeah. then perhaps... I don't, I don't understand how it could possibly be lighter, but perhaps it is. Yeah, I, I don't think so. But we've proven, Emirates have already said that the tech is uh, there to do these types of things that feel like a window. Or maybe maybe it will happen. Maybe people like us are just old-fashioned and a new generation will be born with planes with have no windows and just like screens all around them and that will be good enough. I, I, I don't know. But for me, I like a window lover. I mean, I don't want a freaking screen for crying no. out loud. <laughs> really no. not. I mean, let's be honest. It's Emirates first class. Try to put a screen like that on, on a low cost and they will run ads all the time. It are never going to be the outside. <laughs> Gross. No, thank you. Uh, uh, I just, uh, Alex, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly a convert, but I finally have an Apple Watch. There you go. And uh, yeah, so I tried it. I went, I, was, uh, I went to Luxembourg for the day, the other day, uh, BA back and forth, very short flights. So, you know, you can have your boarding pass on your watch. It's really not practical, man. I mean, no. they want still to have it in their hands. So you basically have to hand your watch over. I'm like, why am I doing that? I yeah, no, I've, I've, my... it's a gimmick. <laughs> I, I, I've never used it. Ever. Uh, I use them on my phone all the time, of course. Yeah, me too. No, me too on the phone. But I was like, okay, I have, I have it now. Let's try it. I still have the regular watch on the other hand. I mean, literally, I'm like, I look like a dork with two watches. <laughs> I'm just, uh, in a few apps, the BA worked pretty well, actually. I'm not full, fully convinced. The one app that is pretty cool that I'm, I'm, I have a new appreciation for is uh, App in the Air because it can work as a complication. So you can have it as the main thing that goes into your cool. uh, your face and they tell you the steps they tell you uh, there's x minutes before the checking closes this is the gate x minutes before the gate closes that's very cool it's on the phone as well but i would have never used it i would have never opened the app to check because i don't need no. it whereas on the watch you just glance it and it tells you the gate will close in 30 minutes and that i find Pretty cool. And they are the only ones to do that. No TripIt, no the other ones do that. Only them do that, have these complications. So kudos to App in the Air. It's a, that's that's cool. a new, I'm really, I really do, do like that. By the way, when I was on this flight, I had the best line ever, I told you. Uh, I was sat on the way back in 1A, and as the plane was still boarding, the, the head of cabin, she was called Nicholas Thomas. Uh, remember her name because I want to give her a shout out, but also to BA because it was one of the best ever crew had a BA and she told me because she of course recognized it was gold whatever you know they had the profile mm. says, you travel quite a lot with us so thank you for keeping me employed I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's nice it brings such a sense of, of personality to it yeah and she she was smiling she was engaging she was fantastic the, the rest of the crew was also fantastic i really loved it again ba and others the people make the entire difference guys yeah, i mean big time so is that also since we're on apps there's one app that uh just came out that it's pretty cool you know like now on the iphone and i know that android that exists as well you can do a lot of augmented reality stuff which for the most i find pointless to me I've, i don't know if you ever do you use augmented reality stuff on your phone uh sometimes with the like, like you said the plane finding apps it's kind of fun to oh, point yeah. it at the sky and see what airplane it is but uh You're not, such not really i think we'll i think it's not, not we're not there yet 
<laughs> that one's called Traerlo. Traerlo. The concept is very simple, and I tried to download it. It kind of works. It's not perfect, but kind of works. It has the entire database, entire, 100 airline database of the size of your luggage, of your carry-on and on the cargo luggage, and the plus one you can have in the cabin. So you put, let's say, you put out of BA, you put Southwest, you put Delta, and then with your phone, you can actually measure your carry on clever and it tells you you're within the limits or you're not you can also of course put if you're in business or an economy and first i mean it's not perfect by all means and i'm not sure i would use it every time plus we kind of know what works because of we are frequent flyers but it's actually clever i would say that this one Trello, i think it's a paid app it's on ios for sure i'm not sure about android is uh, I, I cannot fully vouch for it because AR technology is not fully there yet. I had like some strange readings and some of the stuff because, of course, you know, I had it and then I tried all my luggages to see how big they were. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's, it's, that's an interesting use case. Yeah. Although airlines could actually simply implement that in an app, but I mean, it's cool. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a great idea. So uh, I mentioned I was in Luxembourg. I'm not going to mention Luxembourg. I'm going to do that in another episode. I think as well we covered Luxembourg, the city which has the most expensive taxis in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's extraordinary. <laughs> like you said recently, like you, you look at the meter and go, so what? Wait, what currency is this? Because it's not euros. <laughs> it can't be euros because it can't be euros. <laughs> It's so fast, guys. I've never seen the meter go so fast. It was my second time. It was, it was, it was nice. I'll talk about it in another flight because a few things are interesting in that airport as well. I just want to go for a few reviews because we haven't done it for a long time. And people appreciate shout outs. And also, especially, we do appreciate you guys taking the time to actually talk to us and leave reviews. So thank you so much. And I wanted to apologize because sometimes I really, because we're traveling, we miss messages, we miss you know Twitter DMs or mentions. So we cannot... We, we might miss stuff that you send us. So apologies if, if we do. Please insist if you, if you have a question or something you really want yeah, us to talk be, about. Be on the, yeah, one um, review on iTunes, a five-star. This is the best aviation podcast. Man, you're too kind. Oh, wow, that's uh, very kind. Yeah, Rory Arg from Canada. I also like the fact that you have a pronounceable uh, username on iTunes because <laughs> that's... Not always the case. I absolutely love this podcast. It's perfect. Paul and Alex talk about everything that I enjoy listening to in the aviation world. So I'm glad I found it. Uh, Layovers is better than any other aviation podcast. Well, thank you so much. I don't know if we're better because they're really cool other ones. There's some great ones, but that's very kind. AV Talk from Flight Radar 24 is actually also pretty cool. And uh, Yankee Flyer is pretty cool. There's 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 tons, but uh, I listen to tons of Aviation Extended and, and others. But thank you so much. No, that's really kind. do thank appreciate you. that. On Facebook, we have my good friend Salva, Salvador Vidal, uh, gave us five star on Facebook. Thank you. Daryl Smith also gave us five star. Thank you. Peter Johnson, one of our most loyal listeners, <laughs> told us uh, that the last episode was uh, another enjoyable listen. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Peter. There's a uh, steaming Ned uh, on Facebook as well. I'm sure it's not your real name. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yet another great episode. Thank you. Thank you. Just walked in the door after two weeks away. It did Gatwick, Dubai, Singapore, Melbourne, Sydney, Bangkok, Dubai, Gatwick. And he says that when he arrived, he found a copy of the attache guide on my doormat. Does life get much better than this? Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> And he also says that he wants to thank us for the latest uh, Mastication Nation. He says, Alex, plus Paul, plus well, equal 
Podcast Legends. Well, uh, it's too much, but thank you so much. We appreciate that a lot. That's kind. <laughs> John Olavica, uh, also a very loyal listener, has sent us the pictures of him in, uh, not of him, of the seat of American Airlines first class that he did, that huge long flight to Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, that looks actually great. He said he had a six-course meal. I'm sure when you have very long flights, that's what you should have, six-course meal. Yeah. You spend at least to lose an hour there, right? I have an opportunity to fly in AA first coming up that I might might try oh, to yeah. take advantage of because it looked pretty good. I, I, I was That sold me a lot more than any uh, any of the official paraphernalia that I've seen. I'm very jealous. I haven't flown in ages. Oh, Neither have God. I. <laughs> and he adds that he got to experience both Cathay First Lounge in Hong Kong. Uh, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, guys, when we say they're good, they're good, right? They are so good. <laughs> By the way, on Facebook, I've changed the name of the page. I'm sorry, guys, because sometimes that kind of breaks a little things up. The page is now, you know, layovers, the air travel podcast. It was just because of SU when people look it up, it was easier. But also the name of the page, when you put after the, you know, the, the, the slash, it used to be called layovers.2, which is the name of the website. I mean, no sense. Now it's simply layovers.podcast because it just makes more sense. If you have trouble finding it, that's why. Uh, we don't post a lot on Facebook because we're not really, either of us is not really active on Facebook a lot. So that's why we're sometimes a bit slow, but I check the messages and Alex does too. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and this uh, morning, just before we started recording, Matt, so Matt, I, I have a hunch you're working for an engine manufacturer because he works, he says, for the aerospace manufacturing business. And he says, it's awesome to hear about some of the projects we've been working for many years uh, to hit the market, the C-Series, the 320neo, the Embraer E2. They all have the same engine manufacturers. I'm pretty sure that you're from there, Matt. But anyway, I'm not going to, you guys... The good AV geeks listening will understand which company we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and he says that it's great to hear the excitement from these programs uh, from the consumer perspective, from you and me, Alex. So it's, that's, uh, that's, that's cool. He, he added something interesting. He says, I travel a lot domestically in the US, but I found myself traveling to Europe business class lately. I'm shocked by the number of low-cost carriers that seem to provide a good business class product at a fraction of the cost of the main carriers. He mentions Aer Lingus. So Aer Lingus is not fully low cost, but it's true that it's lower cost. And he says that Aer Lingus was about a third of the price last time. Uh, he flew to Italy, compared a third of the price compared to SkyTeam. Oh, okay. uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because from Europe, for the, the flights I'm looking into, SkyTeam is usually the one actually the, the, the less expensive. So really depending yeah. on where you fly... <laughs> And he's also mentioning that, of course, it's interesting to see that uh, there's more efficiency done on transatlantic routes and we're seeing smaller planes. Like, you know, Matt, because we said it many times, Alex and I would prefer to have wide bodies. I'm still, I'm, I'm not sure I want to actually fly to New York in the 320, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah it's true. I've, I mean, I've, I've flown from New York in a 318, so it's, that was a little different though. Yeah, yeah come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I flew in my private jet. Look, it was small. Yeah. No, that was not a private jet, guys. It was a BA thing, right? Yeah, it was uh, their their uh, BA1, which I think unfortunately is going away. But yeah, really good. Uh, yeah. Alex has tried all the good stuff. You know, I, I keep trying to go to his level of knowledge and first class <laughs> material. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm actually, since I, since I, I, I'm thinking of ditching Star Alliance, literally, and... 
focus on one world and, and Emirates because I do fly a lot of Emirates because I go a lot to Dubai. I was like, okay, so I have so many miles and, and I don't really know what to do with them. Of course, like, because if I don't fly them, I'm not going to upgrade myself. So this time I think I'm going to just simply splurge on one experience when I think you have not to. all my miles. Yeah. So maybe to Japan and I'll talk about it when and if I do it. Uh, that's to, to keep up with Alex and his <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah and uh, another small call back to one of our earlier episodes still that united story the dog we had a lot of comments including people telling us that well shoot pets should be allowed etc as we said it i want to reiterate of course i'm a pet lover so i'm biased but it's up to the airline if the airline says we accept pets as exactly. we believe that you cannot then kill them right? no. <laughs> or not admit. or simply like in the uk there's a lot that says airlines are coming to uk can't have pets in the cabin, they have to be the cargo. The US could implement that. So here's the debate is not that. The debate is really customer service. And you cannot accept the way the situation was handled. Yeah. We were also asked, wasn't cargo worse than being the cabin for a pet? Well, the cargo is ventilated. That cargo section can be heated. For those who don't know, you have to remind the pilot to do it. Uh, when I through my pets. It was like, are you sure it's on? Yeah, are you sure it's on? I went on five times. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. The overhead bins aren't. The overhead bins on probably on triple on sevens. You can see when you try to push back your uh, your carry-on, they seem open at the top, right? Yeah. So probably some air is there. The 321s are self-contained. So once you close them, then air disappears over time. There's very little air that, that comes in. So now they're not ventilated. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I also believe that it is actually stressful for pets. Some people also asked us, I said, why Why do people have pets in the cabin? Well, you know, I, I brought pets from abroad when I moved to, to the UK. And I remember seeing one of my pets in its, in its cage sitting next to the the engine of the the aircraft for 70 minutes wow uh, and you know pets don't have like uh, headphones yeah, yeah. or else to reduce the noise and i'm not here to say that it's equal as humans but i mean for crying out loud it's not comfortable for them either and i was a bit pissed yeah at, uh, at like come on guys you can just put it back somewhere it's not it was not unsafe it was probably uncomfortable so anyway just just to say that it's a longer debate but this situation and i don't think i'll ever fly as i said united ever again which is why i think of moving off from star alliance because why will i fly to the u.s right? well exactly you you kind of remove a whole portion very substantial portion of the alliance if with that yeah. so i can definitely see where you're going Oh, in long flights, they did that Sydney, Perth. Uh, our friend Ed uh, Parsons did it. He did. Actually. I haven't heard how it went. Yeah, I've, I've asked him to join us on the show. Uh, also, I think, does he not work for Google Maps? I'm not, I think he does work for Google. I'm not sure in what capacity, but yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's an open question. I mean, maybe Ed will discuss that w when you come on the show. Uh, but do, have you ever seen Google Maps being used for the IFE, for the moving map? Yes, I we did it at Virgin America. Is there anyone else that does it? I don't do think, think so. I think we were, the, we were the first. And I don't think actually it lasted much past five or six years for, for whatever reason. You don't see Google Maps used much outside of a... Uh, of a web and, and mobile environment for whatever reason. I'm sure they there is a reason. So Ed, you'll tell us. It's not, by the way, there was a lot of writings about that super long flight from Qantas. It's still not the one to Sydney. So it's, a, what, 16, 17 hours. It's not the longest flight in the world currently. No. It was a good marketing campaign, but they are, you know, Auckland to 
to Doha and other very crazy flights. And for instance, I've done also 17-hour flights recently. So they are very long flights already. The big one that we'll all talk about will be the one to Sydney, which, by the way, Qantas said, because, you know, they were, they were at press, you know, conferences, et cetera, they said they were looking at what could they offer on top for the passenger experience Will they do such a long flight. Would they offer, like, yoga classes in the, I'm like, what? Or a sleeping berth in economy? Because, you know, 20 hours plus is actually, that has never been done. And maybe it will create... New type of issue. I still don't believe it. I still believe they'll put like just seats and that's it. But uh, we'll I, see. yeah, there's so many health implications there. I think surely. So back to the US a little bit. We we always say we try not to do politics, but you, you cannot separate fully the airline industry with politics. So Trump has announced some quite massive <laughs> tariffs, tariffs on, yeah. on China, and the, actually they are in there quite a lot of stuff that actually matters to aircraft manufacturers. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because obviously they're trying to hit maybe Comac. So at the same time, you know, Boeing and Airbus, uh, in that case, Boeing in the US, uh, also shuffles some parts from China. So it might have an impact. Yeah, it's going to be think. interesting to see how that trickles down. Probably that's an opportunity for Airbus because they won't have, you know, they will say, hey, you need aircraft. Here we are. <laughs> Let's build aircraft together. We have no tariffs for you. Yeah. We'll see how <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I just want to, because there have been two articles in The Economist that are very good about the Chinese airline uh, space. Yeah, yeah, industry. And they're very, they're very good because they really are quite fascinating to see. Of course, a massive growth that is about to happen. I already has seen a massive growth. When you try to find tickets on Google Flights, a lot of the Chinese companies are coming at the top of the results, yeah. and they're very cheap. And you're like, do you want to do that? So. On a safety issue, I think they're now much safer than they used to be. You wouldn't fly them 20 yes. years ago. Now they're fine. But what is interesting is that the reason they are so cheap is because they've been actually – these routes have been subsidized, especially by the smaller cities. When I say smaller, they're still massive. But they've been subsidized to expand China to the world, if you want. A lot of these routes, actually, they're losing money. But they don't want to give them up, even if now China is reconsidering its subsidies, because they don't want to lose all the yeah, slots yeah, that they exactly. have. Exactly, <laughs> because those, those slots are like gold. Because once they actually will implement, you know, easier travel for inner Chinese to to travel around the world, they will actually need these slots, and they don't want to renegotiate these slots down the line. So this is why you find a lot of these airlines you know, that having quite good deals even to transit to China to simply, you know, uh, because they need to fill the aircraft. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, exactly. So, the other thing uh, we mentioned, because I don't, have you done it? There's this one 44 hours visa thing? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. It's also also propped for the airline. They say, okay, there's another way to fill the, the aircraft to tell you that if you do a layover, but not like a return, because you have your city of destination cannot be the city of origin. So yes. Truly layover. Leave. Yeah, exactly. You have access to that visa, which is another way to fill the aircraft. That's very interesting. I never thought it about this way. I always thought it about this is simply a way to open China to international visitors. No, this is actually very much linked with the airline industry and these airlines to actually make them fill their seats by allowing people like it's clever. To, it's, it's and actually that's when quite, you know you have strong connection between airline and government. But the one thing that was said in one of these articles was this uh, new. Beijing Airport eight oh, yeah. runways eight, eight runways runway what the staggering eight runways I mean the new Istanbul Airport will have when it's fully completed which is not an opening 
six runways. This is eight. If they already have an airport, by the way, in Beijing, right? It's, there's 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 two others, right? It's gonna be. Oh my god! Just, Unbelievable. Absolutely. The scale crazy. of ambition there is just something else. It's just amazing. By the way, a new Istanbul airport will uh, open apparently end of October. Haha. We'll so see. that would be we'll great see. because that will. That will finally kind of, because really current Istanbul, I, I like Turkish airline when it's consistent because sometimes it's not, but I mean, this airport to layover is really a nightmare. So I really hope you, they do it. And <laughs> there was an article in the German press, uh, I think it was earlier this week. They, they said basically, should we not raise Berlin airport and start over? Start again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is just a running joke, isn't it? They say that none of the monitors that have been installed are working anymore. They need to already replace half of the things in there. That's because so they've never been bad. used. I don't know, man. So bad. It's 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 crazy. Anyway, let's go to Incheon. You remember we had a story of uh, was it the daughter of uh, the chairman of Korean Airline who did like a tantrum at uh, yes, one of because uh, they didn't have flight? peanuts or and they made her they were already pushed back and she made them go to the gate. Back yeah, the, <laughs> the sister <laughs> just had a similar tantrum, not in the flight, but she apparently attacked the, I think, the head of advertising of Korean Air or something, and also had to apologize. Korea is changing. You know, the president just was sentenced to 24 yeah, years in prison. Yeah, they're really clamping down on any of this yeah, nonsense. It's, it's crazy. This, this very, you know, the cable, these mega conglomerates that we heavily protected inside with the government, are, this is shifting. So your first time in Korea. So what, what was your view, your opinion of the airport the first time you landed? Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic airport. It's probably one of the best airports I've ever been to. Just just all of the amenities and the the quality of everything was so strong as well. And like I said, you know, at the top of the show being picked up, just it was just there waiting waiting to help people like us or anybody else that needed it. The connections into the city are are obviously very very good. I was just impressed by that airport. And I know it actually it often ranks as some of the best in the world, but the main terminal we had to take we had to take a train to our gate when we were leaving to go to to Osaka but the main terminal is like this super long super long thing but there's like shops and museums and uh and and they had this gigantic I should post a picture gigantic maybe like I don't know 25 foot tall teddy bear that you could <laughs> uh, you could uh sit with and have a picture uh with just just little things like that and it's light and airy and modern and well-appointed and blazing fast wi-fi and good restaurants and uh convenience stores uh yeah i just just a great airport and like i said you've got the rx which that's actually the only criticism i have of the airport is it's a long way out of town yeah it's it seems even longer than narita to tokyo it seems like really far away yeah it's a it's a good hour on the stopping service i think they say it's like 48 minutes on the nonstop, maybe a little bit less, but when you do the stopping service, which we needed to do, it it's it's an hour. Surprisingly, you'd think that the old international airport, which still has this is why I ask you whether or not you flew to Japan from Gimpo, because Gimpo still has links to I think Taipei and Japan and a few like neighboring countries. It's that one, it's on the way actually, you can see it. Yes. It's already very far. So they, yeah. they build a new one, obviously much further. But I mean, they, they since the beginning of 
thinking about having an airport, they never, it's not like Heathrow, these airports that seem to be standing next to the city. This is really far. It's really far out there. And, you know, again, the, the connections are smooth and easy. You just need to uh, allow enough time. I know Greg Barnes, who does um, attache with me, had a layover in in Seoul once. He was coming from Shanghai and then going down to Hong Kong. He went into town. I don't know how far he went. Maybe he was in uh, Gangnam. I have, to, I have to ask him, but yeah, it's... That's that's where I was, uh, which it is even further than where you are, yeah. Yeah, it's, so it's 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 out there. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's a massive, massive airport. Massive yeah, airport, yeah, but it's, it, is. Uh, it is out there. Yeah, it's really impressive. It's a great airport. I was I was really... I'm actually, I, next time I go to Seoul, I want to explore a little bit more because when you have kids, your priorities change for an airport. But Obviously, it was, yeah. It was, it was good. And the, the system of... Um, trains or the autonomous trains to get you between the it's not even a train it's a single terminal isn't it yeah it's a it's a concourse no so now there's a new terminal it's a just literally terminal, just maybe? The, the new terminal literally just opened when i was there for the olympics basically opened in january like end mid-january or something so just before you know i was there like what four weeks ago i remember now but it's only sky team that was they it. just moved that they just moved it. there i haven't seen the new one i've seen it like physically but i haven't been in it that massive concourse which is why you take that people mover to go to other gates it's still terminal one yeah that's the main one yeah yeah it's, but it was you know it's 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 very well done it's 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 at the same level as a chaplatcock or certainly a haneda yeah really really impressive when Skytrax released their world's best airport, I don't remember the name exactly. It's always amongst the top three. It's usually Singapore is one every single time. And then you have Hong Kong and Incheon or Incheon and Hong Kong. They're already there. When the, I don't think they run anymore. There was this uh, Airports Council International also ranking airports. I think Incheon won for 12 years in a row as yeah, the best airport it. in the world. No, there's really, you know, you, you can feel it, right? There's a, there's a few interesting quirks about it. The first one is that it's fully publicly owned. So it's taxpayers' money. And this is why, for those who will ever fly there and be surprised, there is no fast track because they believe that as long as the people are paying, they feel uncomfortable about putting people first and others in a lesser. So there's no fast track for security and no fast track or the specifics for, for immigration. I'm sure if you're a politician, a VIP, there must be a separate section, but there's no such thing as a fast track. We, we had a, an interesting experience, which totally validates what you're saying. They put a special marker on our boarding passes that meant that we could go through this this family. Yeah, there's a family line. Family yeah. line. But when we got up there, the line was quite long and the guy pulled us aside and said, tell you, listen, go right to the end of the terminal and there's another one which no one uses. And he was absolutely right. We were the only yep, right. people there and it was really good. But actually, and you reminded me of another thing. I had left like an idiot, a a battery pack, you know, one of the, you know, portable charging batteries you yep. use for your phone in my checked luggage because it was in my jacket pocket. And before I even left the check-in area, the check-in desk, someone pulled me aside and said, there's something in your bag. So like the check-in desk was here and there was a door and I had to go into this door. So they scanned it right there. Wow. It was really, and like pulled me aside and said, oh, can, is this your bag? And there's a battery in there. Is there a battery in there? Wow. I didn't know that. It was so, <laughs> it, was, it was very reassuring actually. The security I found could be a bit uh, improved as in, and I know I keep coming back to to Gatwick, uh, but 
I think airports that now are the best in security are those who have these um, very long conveyor belts. So you can start putting your stuff and move along because otherwise you still have all your stuff on you and you have to wait until the last minute and then you kind of block the even if you're fast like probably you and me are because we're used to it but it's it's not even about being fast it's just because you cannot remove a lot of stuff before arriving at a belt so that's the thing where it's still very um narrow and also it was i must admit i left just when the olympics were ending so probably there was a lot more people than usual disproportionately (laughs) busy but you're right that that long belt is a really good point it's a very minor criticism here of of of, of Incheon mm. on the seat. So the interesting bit is that they just had moved Sky Team. So for the moment, I think it's only Korean Air, KLM, Air France, and probably Delta that have moved away from Terminal One, which is the one you've been to uh, with its concourse, to Terminal Two, which is a newly built one. Clearly, it has been made as a premium terminal because that's their home base of Korean Air. I was, remember guys, when I went to to Seoul, I was with Garuda, which is part of Sky Team. So Garuda hasn't moved. I don't know if they will, to be honest, I have no clue. But uh, please be reassured, the lounges of Sky Team, and that's the thing I didn't know because you go on some apps and they tell you these lounges are now closed because the new lounges, of course, of Korean Air are in Terminal 2. These lounges are actually still exist, are still open. The very good thing is that they're empty now mm. <laughs> because most of the people are obviously in Terminal 2, so that's an added bonus. So although they say it's a public entity, so though Fast Track, they are lounges and they are good. There's one, I think, Korean Air, where you can see all the 748s lined up one after nice. the other. You can see that from a few gates as well. It's, that's, that, that is actually uh, super cool. It's also like we... I think we said in a previous uh, when we talked the first time. It's a man-made island, right? It's, yeah, um, it's yeah, exactly. It must have cost I don't know how much, Oof, but it, <laughs> Terminal Two. The one thing that is weird, it, it's a bit like Hong Kong. If you go, like you said, with the people mover and you arrive at your gate, yeah. Terminal Two is on the continuation of that. Uh, so when you are in Hong Kong, you can pretty much go anywhere. So that's that's why when John was telling us about the first class lounges, even if your gate, let's say, is gate thirty, but you want to go to a lounge which is at gate one hundred and fifteen, yeah. you're free to go and walk around. Again, I didn't go to Terminal Two, but you can see at the very end of the people mover that it continues, but you, they have e-gates. You need to rescan oh. and to prove that you actually are flying with one of the three to be able to enter. That's this probably could, not a bad idea. Because I, I wanted to try. I said, you know, I have time. I'm going to go and I'm going to try to see this new terminal because it really looks, the pictures, guys, go online, Terminal 2 in Cheon. There's like robots and stuff. It looks really, really cool. But it's inaccessible unless you have... KLM, Air France, Korean Air, and, and Delta, and that's it. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to to have these alliance-specific terminals and to make sure that people don't go into the terminal, because otherwise you just get unnecessary clutter. Not that people are clutter, but you know what I mean. <laughs> unnecessary busyness, <laughs> congestion. You took Peach. Was it also everything? Was it yeah. the same experience? Same, same, had- same experience. Very, very easy. Very smooth. Sort of a mid-morning. I think like half past ten in the morning. So it's a, it was a busy airport. It's definitely a busy airport. But um, yeah, I think it was great. They had. I don't know if you've seen them. They had. Um, 
robots during the Olympics. I don't know if they kept them. So you have two types of robots. One were simply cleaners, like the Roomba, but a much more elaborate right, right. version That's of so a Roomba. Cool. <laughs> and the other one, I don't know if that's a future of airports, but where it's like this robot, you could actually, uh, if you had a printed boarding pass, you could actually uh, put it inside. It would read it, give it back to you, and it would actually accompany you to your gate, for instance. <laughs> so it was cool. like a, a map that moves with you or something. I don't know. I didn't try them. I saw them. I was like, what, what, what is this? That's amazing. <laughs> I'm looking forward to going back, not just I to was, the airport, I, but to the city. Do you have any flights coming up? Yes, tons. Uh, I'm all <laughs> like the... Budapest in a couple of weeks, and then um, Chicago, Oslo, Miami, Moscow, Mexico, uh, Dublin. That's all before the end of next month. Yeah, I have also a similar schedule, which is why I don't know what we're going to record. We'll try maybe before you leave in two weeks. I'm going, uh, what am I doing? I don't have it in front of me, but at least Athens, Singapore, uh, Dubai, Barcelona. Nice. Uh, I have two others. Uh, I don't. Uh, uh, well, anyway, never mind. And one holiday is in there that I'm not going to talk about before I do it. And when I come back, uh, Alex is smiling yes, because yes, he knows yes, where I'm yes, going. Yes. He knows where I'm going. Where I'm going, obviously. Yeah. So lots of flying for both of us. Uh, we'll always find time, but that's why we give you a little bit of more extra um, gravy on that one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, safe travels. Safe travels, guys.